Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to House Calls for the month of July. Thank you all so much for listening in. I always like to start my shows with my honorable mentions because I don't do shout outs. I don't like to shout at people. So let me start number one with America. The United States of America turned 243 years old on July 4th this month. One of the things I tell my children is I encourage them every July 4th is to read the first few lines of the Declaration of Independence and it's really worth sharing. And I wanna just read this because as a writer, and somebody who has studied political science and worked in DC and and studied the course of our country, it brings so much significance to what's going on currently in, in America and where we came from and what established this nation. So let me read the first few lines of the Declaration of Independence in honor of America's 243rd birthday. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it goes on, but it is the pursuit of happiness that really keeps my show going, because I really seek to find a way that each and every listener finds something in this show from our listeners and the message that touches them and makes them a better person and lightens their load in this life. So in addition to my honorable mentions, I want to celebrate people's birthdays in the month of July. My oldest granddaughter, Addie, if she's listening in, turns five the end of the month. Happy birthday, Addie. Erin, her mother, had a birthday recently. My sister-in-law, Valerie, in San Diego, is having a birthday at the end of the month. Marsha Meyer, who is our guest here, just celebrated her 34th birthday. Uh, Joanne McDowell, who is a friend of Marsha's and also a friend of mine, also celebrate her birthday on the same day as Marsha. Ray Williams, July 21st is his birthday, same birthday as Dr. Richard Tubb, former White House doctor. And then Alina Pepper just had her birthday the same day as Erin on July 14th. So happy birthday to you all. July 1st was my late husband John's one-year anniversary as he's looking over us up in heaven. And the biggest latest event this month was the wedding in Minnesota this past Sunday of my son Jason Stevens and his bride Aaliyah, who have known each other for about five or six years, dated for two years, got engaged New Year's Eve, and then got married on Sunday. And I think it's fascinating how these two met. They met through a mutual friend, or actually uh, Jason's best friend in Minneapolis is Aaliyah's older brother, Michael. So Michael gets the full credit or he gets the full blame, depending on how you look at it. But Aaliyah's family uh, has Filipino connections. Her father, Jim, was born in the island of Cebu of missionary parents. He left when he was 16. He speaks, he speaks fluent Tagalog and six dialects. So when I met Jim Chalmers about two years ago, in Newport Beach where he was visiting his son Peter and his daughter-in-law Yakche. Uh, he runs up to me and he's six foot seven, tall Caucasian guy, and he's rattling off in Tagalog a greeting. And I look at him and say, dude, I am so sorry. I do not speak fluently. I, I don't know what you're saying to me. I, I do not speak as a language. And he just laughed at me. He says, well, I am the inverse coconut. And I said, well, I guess I'm the coconut, you know, white on the inside, brown on the outside. But I really appreciate the fact that you know all about the Filipino culture and you will bring the Filipino culture into my family. So congratulations to Jason and Leah who are on their honeymoon right now. Last month's show in June was entitled The Five True Things. And we had psychotherapist Dr. Dave Rico as our guest calling in from California and I got a tremendous response from our audience. One of our listeners contacted me after the show, and it was my former minister from Aspen, Colorado, Greg Anderson. 
Greg called me and said that the five true things that were discussed in the show reminded him of the writings of Franciscan friar and priest Richard Rohr. Now, Father Rohr leads the Center for Action and Contemplation in New Mexico. He's a prolific writer, and he has endorsed the work of Dave Rico. Father Rohr writes about what he calls the five essential truths. And these truths are definitely true, but they're rather blunt. And in a lot of ways, it reminds me of the person we're going to hire today in terms of how she would have said it. These are the five essential truths that Dr. Rohr talks about. Number one, life is hard. That's true. Number two, you are not that important. Number three, your life is not just about you. Number four, you are not always in control. And the fifth one, which is the hardest one to swallow, you are going to die, which, which is really hard. So it is this fifth and final truth, you're going to die, that we once again face on this show. It's less than a year after losing my husband, John, who I really felt was the strongest person I knew, that I lost last month on June 18th, one of the dearest friends I've had over the last 19 years, and who is probably one of the strongest women or people that I've known in my whole life. On June 18th, my dear friend, Lisa Scaglione, passed away at the age of 67 from an aggressive cancer, pancreatic cancer. From the time of her diagnosis to her last breath, she had only 12 days on this earth. Now, during that time, Lisa was feisty, witty, gracious, thankful, and loving her usual self. That's how she was. In the face of her death that she knew would be imminent, she sent me a text during her hospitalization. This was right after she was diagnosed. And in this text, she shared a copy of the text she received from her daughter, Dana. And this is her text to me. Who's luckier than me? This is a note from my sweet Dana that she copied. This is the text. It said, Lisa, you are the strongest person I know, and I love you with my whole heart. Nothing I can say will make this better, but I'm here for you always, and we're going to fight for you. Let me know if I can come see you tomorrow. I love you. Lisa's cancer made her blood, blood thick, resulting in blood clots, which showered her brain with small clots and resulted in many strokes. It caused her to have drooping of her left side of her beautiful face, and it made her slur her speech. But it sure didn't slow down her wit and her biting humor. And while she was in the hospital, she overheard her husband, Tom, talking with the head of neurosurgery at Mayo, and that was Dr. Bernard Bendock, who was a close family friend of hers. Tom was commenting about Lisa's occasionally slurred speech about, from the stroke. Lisa overheard him, and in her typical manner, she piped up, Tom, don't you denigrate my diction. I can speak circles around you. Isn't that amazing for somebody who's had a mini stroke to talk like that? I always say that whenever you're with Lisa, it's almost like getting a refresher course in the SAT terminology that you really have to brush up on your thesaurus. You really have to raise your level and be articulate because she'll catch you on that, right? Where's the thesaurus? Where's the dictionary? What did she say? And even more articulate and eloquent, it was delivered with her Texan accent. So imagine that. But as Lisa deteriorated, more blood clots formed as a result of this horrible cancer that was spreading throughout her brain. Actually, the clots were spreading throughout her brain. The cancer was still growing in her body elsewhere. And then ultimately, these clots that the uh, caused as a result of the, the, the cancer that was thickening the blood went to her lungs and finally to her brain stem, and she continued to get worse and, and worse. I last spoke to her by speakerphone a few days before she passed, and she told me, I needed to help her live longer. And I said, dear Lisa, I'm doing everything I can. I wish I could have helped you live longer. And, but sadly, it was her time. My last text to her, which I don't know if she ever saw, was a couple days before she died, was this. My dear Lisa, if I could take your place, I would do so in a heartbeat. I would be with John, and you can stay here longer with Tom. As I think back on her dying, I ask myself, how would I behave if I were in her place? How would I like myself to behave if I knew I was actively dying? 
I hope and pray to God that I would have the same courage, the same humor, and the same grace that Lisa showed in her final days in this world. And it's a tough thing when you have to say farewell to your friend, especially in this day and age of COVID, when people die alone. So many stories of people who are dropped off at the hospital because they're not allowed in with family members because they don't want to spread the virus, and they die alone at the hospital. Maybe they're fortunate enough to have FaceTime. For Lisa, she was transferred to an inpatient hospice close to the hospital, and her family was able to say farewell. They flew in from Paris, from New York, from California, and so they were there one by one to bid farewell to her. Not everybody is as fortunate as we say in this time of COVID, and we are a nation that's grieving with so many deaths that have occurred. So you're wondering, who was Lisa Scaglione? There is no formal obituary that has been released by the family. Her husband, Tom, and their five adult children and their spouses and her grandbaby, Vera, gathered for a private ceremony in her honor. I wanted to share some of the remarkable things about her that she was too humble to share with others. But the first thing I want to share is that, Tom, I know you're listening in. You were definitely the love of her life, without a doubt. He sent me her brief bio that it's an old bio that she used because she did many speaking engagements. And I'm sure this was for a women's group because she was such an advocate of working women. It's only one simple page of all the things she's accomplished. And there's many more. But it's got a picture of her. And she's, she's got the most beautiful eyes, high cheekbones, great smile, stunning. And her wit, as she writes her resume, <laughs> shines through. And I'll share a little bit. If you know, people talk about what's in your obituary. Okay, here's the here's the education part to prove she was brilliant. Master's degree in physics, Rice University. Bachelor's degree in physics, Lamar University. She was a licensed pilot with multiple type ratings. Licensed mediator, University of Houston Law School. Charter life underwriter, American College. Work experience, 30 years, small business owner, State Farm Insurance Agency. Six years in leadership, the first female appointed in Texas in 1988 multiple-year qualifier for the President's Club, top 50 out of 17,500. Atlantic Richfield, she was the first female plant production supervisor. Imagine that for an oil rig industry to be a woman plant supervisor in Texas during the 1980s. She owned and operated a large rice farm, convenience stores, waste management plant. In addition, she collaborated with her sister, who is the best-selling New York Times author, Mary Carr, on a radio talk show. If you want to hear about Lisa's upbringing, read Mary Carr's book, her memoir, Liar's Club, which set the standard for memoir. And you'll read about Lisa's chaotic, crazy life, which really should be a movie, as she and Mary were growing up with their parents. The personal part is so typical Lisa. This is what she writes in her resume. Married for about 150 years to a recently retired senior marketing officer of a Fortune Top 50 company. Well, that's Tom. Five adult children who all love each other, think for themselves, pay taxes, and have never been incarcerated. Major kudos to you guys. Supporter and contributor to many charitable and professional causes especially those involving young women. At the time of her death, I'd like to add in her resume, proud and loving Gigi grandmother to Vera Violet, who she adored. She was also a member of the Phoenix Symphony Board, who's actually dedicating a concert to her in the fall. She was an amazing woman, so many things. And when you talk about the charities, I want to mention, because the family said, you ought to mention about the charity she believed in to encourage her listeners to contribute. Her son, Case, who I'll talk about soon, he placed it eloquently that the charity she wants people to contribute to is so, it's the most Lisa thing you could do today. And what it is, is to donate uh, in, her, in Lisa's name to Dress for Success, which provides women entering the workforce with attire, support, and development tools in order to thrive in a professional environment because Lisa's greatest passion was loving and empowering the people around her, especially women. And it's so true. I've seen it, how she's taken up for the underdog and helped people to do that.
but with all the things she's done, her greatest titles were wife, mother, grandmother, sister, but most of all, friend. She was also a muse, someone who's the source of inspiration for creative artists. Her son, Case Scaglione, is the chief conductor and music director designate of the National Orchestra in France. As I mentioned, Mary Carr is New York Times bestselling author. She had many New York Times bestselling author friends. Other friends included Catholic priests, LDS bishops, hairdressers, professors, physicians, musicians, you name it. She was it. She was a patron of the arts. And she was your biggest cheerleader if you're into any project. She was also a huge contributor to the Be Kind People project in addition to Dress for Success. So if you look at her resume that she put up together here, she survived and thrived in a traditional male-dominated world. I think it's because she had, as they would say in her native Texas, bigger cojones than the men she worked with. She was simply Mensa smart. What is Mensa? If you have to ask what Mensa is and whether you qualify, you probably are not eligible for Mensa. It is the largest and oldest IQ society in the country, in the world. It's a nonprofit or organization open to people who score at the 98th percentile on the standardized IQ test. And she was a member. She was a card-carrying Mensa member. One of the great stories that her husband Tom says is that on their first date, she sat across from him at the restaurant. She throws down her Mensa card and says, I want you to know, Tom, I have been a member of Mensa for five years. And so he looks at her, he throws down his card and says, Lisa, I've been a member of Mensa for 15 years. So there, you have a love story. So I'm going to pause for a break, and we're going to come back and share memories of Lisa. I want to mention our uh, special guest, Marsha Meyer, who's here today. But I'm going to come back, not only talking about Lisa, but what she meant to us and the lesson about friendship that she showed in her life. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's House Calls. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, Visit applyeveryday.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. I'm dedicating this show today to the memory of my dear friend Lisa Scaglione, who passed away last month of pancreatic cancer. But I want to make sure this is not her eulogy. I just want to pay tribute to her and honor her in some small way because I really felt she was larger than life, and many of you agree who knew her. And the main reason for this show really is that I think the greatest lessons about life can be taken from those who have died. And so the lessons I have learned from Lisa are what makes a true friendship, and that's the gift of friendship that you find. And when you look up the definition of friendship, this is how it's defined. It's a relationship of mutual affection between people. It's a stronger form of interpersonal bond than a basic association with people. And what are the characteristics of those bonds? Well, here they are. Number one is kindness, which our friend Marsha Meyer runs an organization called Be Kind People Project. So number one of all is kindness, affection, love, virtue, sympathy, empathy, honesty, altruism, loyalty, generosity, forgiveness, mutual understanding, and compassion, enjoyment of each other's company, trust, the ability to be oneself express one's feelings to others, and make mistakes without fear of judgment from the friend. Well, you know, friends, Lisa had all these qualities, and she showed them to me as my friend. And when, when I talk about others who were her friends, she shared these as well. And it's interesting, if you look at these qualities that compose a friend, they're actually the same qualities you would seek in a potential life partner. That's somebody you would want to marry, wouldn't you? You want to marry your best friend. But I'd like to add one more quality, that a true friend inspires you to be the best person you can be. So in times of stress, anxiety, isolation, I really believe the best medicine is to treat those things with friendship. And we need that now more than ever. And I look at my bereavement of my husband and really what got me through this time are people like Lisa, my true friends, who are always there for me. I look at this time as we reflect on her life, and I asked a special guest to come in today who's known Lisa probably as long as I have, and that guest is Marsha Meyer. Marsha is the chairman, CEO, and founder of the Be Kind People Project. This is a nationwide 501c3 nonprofit organization focusing on delivering youth-relevant learning opportunities that inspire humanity academic achievement, civility, and healthy living so that America's student generation will grow into respectful, responsible, and caring citizens and leaders. She's redefined what being a full-time volunteer after retirement can look like through her work with the Be Kind People Project. Marsha has had an amazing, successful corporate career as a senior executive in retail management, retiring from PetSmart almost 20 years ago. Prior to her retail business career, Marcia followed the education tradition of her family as a secondary Spanish teacher in the rural and low-income schools. She's an elected member of the Committee of 200, a group of the most preeminent businesswomen in America, and is a United States delegate to the World Kindness Movement. She re- received the Juan Cochino Award for Exceptional Arizona Volunteerism in 2015, was named one of the most outstanding women in business by the Phoenix Business Journal in the spring of 2019. She and her husband, Andrew Myers, have two grown children and three grandchildren. She enjoys international travel and are avid sports fans of the Diamondbacks, Suns, Coyotes, and Cardinals. Hi, Marsha. Thanks for coming in today to talk about our friend Lisa. Well, thank you so much, Connie. I'm really honored to be here. And I'd just like to say I was especially honored when you talked about my 34th birthday because if you just <laughs> double that plus some, um, it would be uh, true. Um, I loved how you started out the conversation with Lisa having a zest for life. That literally is in the first line of what I had um, planned to say also. Um, I, like so many other people, have a hole in my heart since she's been gone. Um, I've been thinking about her family every day and praying for their calm and comfort during this difficult time of loss. Share more about, Lisa, what, what you learned about friendship. Well, you know, first of all, I was ne- beginning with our first initial meeting, and this is a bit of a full circle because um, 
Connie, you introduced us, which is very, very, um, which is very, very significant. But beginning with that initial meeting, I was never with Lisa when family didn't start our conversation. She had her priorities right in line. She loved her kids, and I loved it when she talked about wanting to put them in her lap and just rock them, no matter how, how old they were, if they were hurting or worried. I can just imagine her rocking back and forth in heaven right now. And these are trying, grown men and women. Yes. So she'd have them sit in her lap <laughs> yes. and talk to them. I'm trying to do that yes. image. These grown men and women yes. sitting in her lap and talking to them. And yes. she's probably doing it right now, <laughs> trying to will peace to each one of them. Um, Lisa was so proud of her gaggle of beloved children, Christian and Charlotte, Dana and Alex, Case and Tony, Thomas and Kat, Michael and Elise. She adored you. And she was thrilled with that little Vera and over the moon with being a grandma. She sent me a photos of Vera's christening in, Fe in February and captioned it, our little child of God. You know, um, the other thing about Lisa and probably with uh, something that those who knew her and her family certainly know her is that she was a romantic. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about how um, driving she, wa she was and how intent, but she also took time to appreciate all the small things of life. I remember that Tom quoted poetry to her at her 60th birthday in front of her adoring, and I mean adoring friends. Every one of us felt like we had a glimpse inside a beautiful and tender love story as we listened to Tom and watched Tom and Lisa's faces. I can't even describe how many times she said to Tom, I love that man with every bone in my body. He's the best man in the world, and I can't imagine a better life partner. Yeah, and they were both blessed. They had tremendous marriage. They were the first married couple I had introduced to John when we were dating. And I said, I want you to meet a happily married couple. And they were such a great example of it. Share some more about Lisa, what you learned, and, and really about the topic of friendship, because I, I want our listeners to learn from her life what she taught you about friendship. Well, it's interesting, because seldom do we think about how or why or even if a friendship is developing when we're in the middle of it. It takes time, and it's a wonderful process of discovery and appreciation of others. Friendship bonds people as they share their lives. I don't think most of us realize as we grow interpersonal relationships that we're often in the process of forming a relation, a friendship. I think for people to become friends, each person must be willing to share a part of himself or herself. It's a breaking down of internal protection and letting some of oneself out while at the same time letting others into our hearts. With Lisa, our foundation was based on sharing similar life values. We shared a common point of view on what's important in life and what's secondary. I talked about her romanticism. She also looked at life through the lens of beauty, confidence, and acceptance. One's perspective on life can be very important in shaping a friendship. I also think that there's a difference in reacting to situations with a positive attitude as opposed to seeking to find beauty in occurrences. Lisa always sought beauty around her, and she was always willing to try things because something wonderful just might be uncovered. Honesty, an important part of friendship is honesty. We had honesty. Sometimes I got straight answers that I just wasn't prepared for. But they were always given with a smile and with a loving heart. And um, they always made me think. Trust and respect are two key factors. And then there's a, that part of just having fun. I looked forward to time with Lisa because I know we would laugh at things we never even thought about, mostly we laughed at ourselves. And I think about Lisa being honest, and she was the first one to laugh at herself, but do it and laugh at others, at, including me, but do it with a loving, loving, loving heart. Um, Lisa's phrases and descriptions were legendary. 
She could put words together to create pictures and analogies like no one I've ever known. Let me, let me just add a few to what you've said. Um, so most people would say, just call or text me. Lisa would say, give me a whistle. <laughs> Instead of asking, are you doing okay if something was going wrong in life, Lisa would say, now, do you need to come and take a spell in my grandma's rocking chair? When she had a rotator cuff tear once, she talked about her wounded wing. And one of my favorites was a sign-off to messages when she would say, love you more than my thumbs, and I wish you were here, and I'd bake you a cake. I'm sure that any of her friends listening are smiling with some of those same endearments. She would also have a phrase, I love you to the moon and back. Yes. You know, and that, that just the unbridled love that she would give to her friends. I think for me, the fact that she was such a cheerleader and such an inspiration to so many people, she may not be the one on stage, but you know that that person got on stage because of her. And she tells me the story, probably best told by her son, Case, who's a talented conductor. And she was such an inspiration to him. And she tells the story, it's such, so amazing that she'd taken him to the symphony when he was growing up. And he says, Mama, I, Mama, I want to be that guy. And she goes, which guy, baby? She goes, the guy up there with the baton, the conductor. I want to do that. And I think it was just a little boy at the time. So she made sure that happened. If you had a dream, she would be there rooting you on and cheering you on. And, and uh, when, I wanted to, when I was thinking about writing my memoir about 12 years ago, she says, do you want to write this to impress others or express yourself? Do you want to make money? I said, well, how about all of the above, Lisa? And she says, well, let me talk to my sister, Mary Carr. I'll connect you with her so that Mary can help you and, and write a blurb for you. And so she had all those connections. She had an amazing set of friends. But what we had in common really was her. Of all these incredible people, celebrities, New York Times writers, talented, brilliant people. And she was not an intellectual snob at all. She was humble. She was funny, as you say, self-deprecating. You know, she taught me what a true friend was because she was thoughtful. She made, she was actually, she would hold your feet to the fire because she would call it BS if it were BS and not, she wouldn't attack you, but say, listen, what you're thinking is not right. And it would be given lovingly so, right? Very You blunt. are so right. Just like the five truths that he says, right? All the things, you don't like what you're hearing, but it's true. And that's, and that's the way Lisa would deliver it. You, you, we talk about gifts because at the last part of the show, I'm going to talk about one of her last gifts to me. Can you share about the gift of the ring that you told me about years ago? Oh, yes, I can. Um, you know, it, it, it goes back to one of the um, most important things in life is sharing. And sometimes you share thoughts, sometimes you share feelings, sometimes you share experiences. But sharing things can be important, too. Um, Empathy is important, as you discussed, and then just expressing how you feel. I, I think my f friendship language and probably my love language, too, is giving things. You're a gift giver. And um, did, I had a ring that I was given to me when um, I was going through a tough time. It had a little scarred and smoky emerald in it but was kind of um, shiny. And um, that ring ended up going to a circle of friends and became the symbol of, okay, just wear this ring and look at it and know that somebody's there with you and that we care about you. And don't take it off and give it back until you're ready to get started. So that ring went from um, person to person and uh, really kind of symbolized, yes, Things are sometimes out of our control, but we have to get there through the help of others. And it's the fact that you give of yourself. I, think, I love the symbolism of the circle, of the ring. And at and, and least I had that ability to reach out and gift. And there are many gifts we give our friends. It's our attention and a simple text, a call, especially now when people are struggling, it, just to get a text to say, how are you holding up? How are you doing? Or a funny picture that you can send or 
one of those that knows I'm just thinking about you. As simple as that, if somebody can say, I haven't heard from so-and-so in so long. Let me send them a text. What are you doing? Or Lisa would just call on the phone. How are you doing? What are you holding up? You know, what's going on with you? And, and it wouldn't be about her. It would be about what, what, what are you really doing? What can I do for you? And she's one of those people that if you needed her, she'd show up on your porch. She'd be right there and then. She'd drop everything and do that. And that's what a true friend would do. They would drop everything and do that and come to you. And they say that you pick your friends. You're stuck with your family. And in a lot of ways, I see that your friends are really a tremendous gift to your soul because they're healing. They're there to listen to you. They don't judge you. And she epitomized all those things. So we're going to pause for a little break. We'll come back, and, and I'll share some last moment things about Lisa. But most of all, I'll share with you the last message she sent to me that really talked about true friendship and the last gift she gave to me. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's House Calls as we honor Lisa Scaglione, who is the epitome of true friendship. Stay tuned. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. I'm joined in studio today with a good friend, Marsha Meyer, as we celebrate the life and the lessons from our mutual friend, Lisa Scaglione, who passed away June 18th, almost a month ago. Someone once told me that the soul knows when it's going to pass, and I suspect Lisa had a sense that that was going to happen. I'm going to share with you soon what she, her last gift to me was, but before I do that, I want to go back to Marsha. Marsha, what were the last things that Lisa taught you before she passed? Lisa taught me things throughout our friendship. But as I look at her closely, here's what I think about. Don't take yourself too seriously. Laugh at yourself. If you, if you don't, others will. Try new things. Find something that incites inner delight and beauty. Family is priceless consciously make time for quality experiences 
Health is a mindset, and most importantly, time is compressed. We must fit as much as possible in each day. Spend your days wisely and for the benefit of others. Plus, I can't forget if you're feeling bad or if you want to celebrate, come on over and I'll bake you a cake. <laughs> and she was at every major celebration I had, including my 65th birthday the end of January. And on that occasion, she gave me all these gifts because her language, one of her languages of love was gift giving. But what she did was she wrote this amazing essay that she included in her card, and I'm going to read it. In an eerie way, I had a feeling after I read this after she died, I thought, my goodness, she wrote for me the ending for this show today. I'm going to read you her essay to me on the occasion of my birthday. It says, to Connie on her birthday, January 30, 2020, true friendship. We all know where it starts with congeniality, shared experiences, and ultimately a trust and connection that we know when we see it but cannot describe. It's planted in our hearts first, where it nurtures and blooms, and finally becomes an anthem of true friendship. We all know where it can end. With distance, disregard, and disappointment, it becomes a field left fallow for too long. A shovel can save it. If you dig in and start turning over the heavy clods of time, you can once again find the communion of safety and love where it all started, in the place where it was planted at the beginning, the heart of a true friend. I'm giving you this shovel, which is a tiny little shovel. It looks almost gold-plated that she gave me. I'm giving you this shovel on your 65th birthday <laughs> to remind you of my commitment to you. I'm willing to help you bury a foe, transgression, or a heartbreak. When the middle of the night call comes, I won't hesitate to grab my shovel and do whatever work it is important to you. And I know that you would grab your shovel from me. And at the end of our lives, whichever of us lovingly pats the earth of the final interment of the other, it will be with gratitude that we had such a friend. I'm including some additional shovels for you with my fondest birthday wish that in your lifetime, you can give everyone away to a true friend. Happy birthday, with much love, Lisa. So that was her gift to me on my birthday, was that beautiful essay about friendship. With these shovels, she gave me four tiny shovels. My number is number five. She has the fifth shovel with her. So on this final note, I look back at all the gifts she gave us, the gifts of her time, her laughter. She is the epitome of a true friend. That was her journey in life, is to teach people what it took to be a great friend because of her love, her inspiration, but her courage. This is somebody, at one point I remember Lisa talked about writing her book and she, because she had so many vignettes and stories to share. One funny story she shared about her elderly uncle. I think he and his wife were in their 90s. They'd been married 70 years. And he finally was getting a divorce. And she looks at her uncle and says, you've been married 70 years, Uncle So-and-so. Why are you getting a divorce? And he looks at her and says, Lisa, enough is enough. <laughs> and it's so typical Lisa. She had all these stories. And the irony is we were having dinner one time. She was telling me of all these stories about life. I said, Lisa, the vignettes you can share about your life and the stories, here's your title. And the eerie title I gave her was Brainstorm because she had had an aneurysm in her brain years ago that Bernard Bendock repaired, and she recovered, i.e., dodged a bullet. But Brainstorm, and you wonder, she finally passed from Brainstorm. But you look at the eerie things, and you only see it in retrospect as people touch their lives. Was this all random? Was it by some divine intervention, divine plan? You know? And you look at it, and as Marcia said, she loved art, she loved beauty, and her life was beautiful. She had struggles, she had hard times like anybody else. But her character and the wit, and, and, and you'll never be the same when you're touched by friends like that. They impact your lives. And that's how she lives on. She lives on in every one of us. And 
last time I had lunch with her, as a real so social distancing, <laughs> she didn't want to hug me because uh, because of social distance, distancing. And she told about her baby, her grandbaby Vera, who she just adored. She adored babies, as you, as Marsha and I know. Uh, when my granddaughter was a little baby, she would come up to her, and she, Addie would have this huge lipstick mark on her cheek, and that was that was from Lisa, you know, kissing the baby, devouring the baby, but. Lisa was saying that she had an idea, which really was Tom's idea for Vera's first birthday, that each of the adults in the family would gift Vera a book that influenced their life. And in addition, they would write a letter to Vera, an adult Vera, that would accompany the book. Because as Lisa would said, well, heck, by the time she read this as an adult, I'd be dead. And it dawns on you later what she was saying. And so Lisa talked about that and, and imagined that. But I, I look at now with the family, because as, as David Rico says, life is about endings and changes, right? It's about endings. And this was an ending of her physical life. But I want to end it on a personal note for Lisa as we look at her family. And I know hopefully, Tom, you're listening in. If not, you're listening as a podcast. Tom, you got to know, without a doubt, and you probably believe and you know it, you are the love of her life that she would light up whenever she would talk about you, that you know somebody loves somebody when they recount how they met their love affair, everything comes to life, right? The two tests, if you can tell how much they love their spouse, how they've survived, tell me how you met, tell me about your spouse. They light up instantly. So you really were her joy, her inspiration, her rock. I asked Lisa one time, what do you love the most about Tom? And she says, his kindness. He was the kindest man I knew. You know, one of the things we talk about when Tom and I have talked about was we always thought Lisa and I, a lot of us thought Lisa would live to her 90s, and we didn't think she would pass before you did, but she did. And it is what it is, right? But you have to know, Tom, as somebody I know right now, I have experienced losing the love of my life, that Lisa, the love of your life, is always with you. She's, I always say, in you, beside you, around you. This is my mantra every day when I think about John. You are in me, beside me, around me. And you're going to weep, you'll mourn, you'll be lonely, you will grieve, and then you'll go on. And when you go on, Tom, you have to ask yourself, what would Lisa want me to do now? What would she like me to do next? Then you look at the family, and she adored her children. She adored them without a doubt. She endured Case, who she would go bird hunting with him. She would promote his concert. She would fly out to Paris. She would fly out to his concert. She'd sit up there and cheer him on. She adored Case, without a doubt. And she adored Tony. He had so many great stories of Tony and Case. Thomas and Kat, she loved you. She loved Michael and Elise. Christian, Charlotte, baby Vera Violet. Dana and Alex. Dana, you, your text to her really gave her so much joy in her final days. All of you did. You each made a point to go to the hospital to be with her. And I think when you see people passing now, it's, it's so hard not to be there. But even if you can FaceTime your friends, the ones who are sick, the ones who are dying, find a way to reach out. Even if you can't be there physically, FaceTime, talk to the hospital staff. If they go to hospice, they'll let you in. Talk to the hospice staff so that you can touch them, be with them. It's so important, even if they are in the coma, in a coma, we believe that they can still hear you, they can still sense you. Uh, but you gotta know, as I tell the family, and this one in particular, that Lisa loved each and every one of you as deeply as any mother would love you. I always tell you that you will, you really have her live on in you by her example. You know? And what was her example is to be a great spouse, to be a wonderful parent, to be a great citizen, but most of all, is really to be a true friend. And I think as I look at this show, perhaps it is her eulogy, but she wouldn't want to be down on things. Lisa was all about being up, upright and bright, and as, as Marsha mentions, being zest, full of zest. And we look at what our friends bring us. It's probably the best therapy you, you can get. I mean, obviously, people who, who study, who suffer from mental illness in tough times, we say, get professional help. But if you're really hurting, for my listeners out there, the best thing you can do is call your friend 
and just say, listen, how are you? What are you doing? Can you talk to me? Can you walk me through this? And to admit you're having a hard time. And Lisa was the first one to tell you that. She was the first one to, to pitch in there and, and take that shovel out and dig with you. And, and I always said, I, I call them my hide-the-body friends, that we have a lot of associates and acquaintances, but the amount of true friends that you have, your hide-the-body friends, you can count on your hand. And I always used to say, and I actually couldn't believe, but I did say this one time at Perryville Prison when I spoke to the female inmates. I said that if you wanted to eliminate somebody illegally, uh, that you would only share that information with five of your true friends. And I call, call them the hide-the-body friends. And I'm sure Lisa, among my friends, would, be, would, would, would step, step right up. She would help you get the weapon or the mo modality in which to terminate that person. They would get the truck, the shovel. They would uh, prevaricate to the police. They'd, they'd be your alibi. So in your life, ask yourself, how many hide-the-body friends would I have to line up there, to pick up the shovel and dig in there? And really, it's true. It's like if you're a gardener, how do you cultivate your friendship, right? You plant the seed for friendship like any good gardener would do. You fertilize it. But it is not with steer manure. You fertilize it with kindness, love, thoughtfulness, generosity, honesty. And then you pull the weeds out, right, if there's disagreement. It's really like tending your garden. And that's really like true friendship. And then you, wash it, you watch it blossom and grow. And the sad thing, such as, as you would do with gardening, you see your plants die. But then they also leave behind remnants of that plant and, and seeds to grow the new generation of plants to carry on and to flourish again. So as we honor Lisa, you will live on Lisa. You know that in all of us. We shall never forget you. And not only in Tom and your children and your grandbaby, but all the people who listen in this show who have heard what a true friendship is and how having a true friend like you, the epitome of true friendship, can help each and every one of us. So with that, friends, I wish you a wonderful week, a wonderful day, and that you too, I wish you true friendship among your friends. So stay tuned for next month for Dr. Connie's House Calls. Have a great month. God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.